hit me. From Studio P in Sausalito, the home of the hit, it's time for... Sucker Time. The number one comedy podcast about comedy. Podcast. And here's your host, internationally recognized comedy podcast podcaster, Mark Bill Haywatt is right. It's your old pal, Mark Hershon, once again, and I've got Epi 72 of Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast, right here for you. Not going to spend a whole lot of time jabbering. As usual, I'm way behind getting these episodes out, especially because I have a backlog of interviews from the second annual Los Angeles Podcast Festival from about three weeks ago, and I can only really put these out one an episode because the interviews are so long and still play clips from podcasts also from the Podfest. Now I'm also running into a pipeline problem in that the pipeline is filling up with content. Great problem to have, but it means I'm going to have to interrupt the Podfest interviews later this week and put out a show featuring two filmmaker friends of mine, Gabriel Diani and Etta Devine, because they just popped the top on a Kickstarter campaign for their new comedy feature film that they're putting together. It's called Diani and Devine Meet the Apocalypse, and so next episode, that chat will be our centerpiece. But that's next time. Let's speed feed this show to get to not only the clips, our Bursto Durst with Will Durst, a new song by songer, uh, singer-songwriter John Anilio, and a brand new Henderson's Pants commercial, but also my interview with our special guest, Sean Merrick. I got to know Sean last year at the first L.A. PodFest when he was the producer for the PodCrash podcast with Chris Gore. He's still producing for Chris, but he is also one of the guys helping to make all the shows go over at the Sideshow Network. Sideshow houses a bunch of our podcasting comedian friends, including past guests Rick Overton and Jimmy Schubert, as well as the aforementioned Chris Gore. Sean popped into the podcast lab at the PodFest, and we talked about him, his life as a producer, and also where podcasting may be heading in the future. So stay tuned. Or fast forward, I literally have no control over how you choose to listen to this show because Sean will be coming up later on in the show. Last episode, I featured a lot of our friends over at Chill Pack Hollywood Hour, Dean, Phil, and even Phil and Phil, Lily Holloman. But because of my time crunch today, here's all the clip from Chill Pack I have time for. You can hear excerpts of the show, of course, on Mark Hirsch on Psychedash. Sorry, boys. I'll try to get more in next time. But for now, it's time we get to... The 10 most active shows in the Stitcher Top 100 Comedy Podcast List. That's right. It's our Top 10 Most Active Shows in the Stitcher Top 100 Comedy Podcast List. These are the podcasts that have moved up the most or moved down the most Stitcher's Top 100 Comedy Podcast List this past week. At 44, The Champs, with Neil Brennan and Moshe Kasher, is up 60 places. At 48, The Artie Lang Show, up 13. At 67, The Comedy Button, up 44. At 68, The Dead Authors Podcast has leaped 112 places back up into the top 100. That's because uh, they've been off for a while. So they've got a new episode out, and boom, their numbers go up. At 69, The Bone Zone, up 22 places. At 89, the Dana Gould Hour has slipped 32 places. It's uh, almost time for Mr. Gould to get a new one out of the box. At 94, Where's My 40 Acres, Ratchet and Real, up 23 places. At 95, the Thrilling Adventure Hour is down 13 places. At 97, Wits, up 12. 
And at 99, Kevin Pollock's chat show backed into the top 100, up 31 places. And for those keeping tabs on this show, Succotash rang in at number 5859 on Stitcher this week. I guess we got to work a little harder, huh? Man, and we even have a jingle and everything. The 10 most active shows in the Stitcher Top 100 Comedy Podcast List. As I get into the clips this week, my heartfelt thanks go out. Once again, to Tyson Saner, our honorary associate producer. He's been focusing on helping me grab up clips from all the shows that were at the PodFest. This week, I even misplaced the ones he he sent, and he had to send them again. I don't deserve you, Tyson, but the listeners do. That said, let's clip it up. I like to think it's a measure of this show's success that my supporting players are getting more airtime in podcast land than I am. Just this past week, Jeffrey Welchman over at the Inverse Delirium podcast tapped my booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, and the host of our Burstow Durst feature, comedian Will Durst, to provide their voices for a couple of characters in a sketch. Listen up. And in national news, Winslow Trellis, the president of the Amalgamated Fuel Exploitation Corporation, is under fire once again for his company's horrendous safety record, which includes major accidents in at least a third of the company's local coal mines. Mr. Trellis defended his actions by pointing out how nice the weather's been lately. The company's stock price took a hit, decreasing to a share price of 78 cents in light trading and heavy petting. Turn that off. Yes, Mr. Trellis. Congress is calling me in to testify. The press is getting on me. All because of what? A few cave-ins at one or two dozen coal mines that just happen to be owned by me? Yes, Mr. Travis. And I tell them what I always tell them. Our safety record, blah, blah, blah. Corporate citizenship, blah, 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 blah. Even the White House called me out by name. Can you imagine it? Yes, Mr. Trellis. So you're head of corporate communications. How do I turn this around? Well, first, sir, it, it, it really would be good if you'd stop referring to the miners as uh, amphibians. Hey, look, I've never been clear on which are amphibians and which are reptiles. Th- these are not salamanders here. They're people. It, it makes a very poor impression. All right, all right. We agree to disagree. What else? Well, uh, you cannot demand that employees mark their time spent during a cave-in as a vacation. Why not? They're not doing anything in there. Nonetheless, it makes a bad impression. And one last thing. What is it? We recommend that you visit one of the mines. What? You're joking. Well, you are their owner. Uh, It would show us an act of good faith, concern. Good God. We need to work on this image you've got in the press that you're a heartless son of a... Well, if I have to go... Can you clear the mine first? Clear the mine? Of course. Of of workers? The grubby, slithering tentacles. You mean your employees, sir? Oh, yes. Very funny, Milkins. <laughs> sir, that is why we recommend this visit, to show your human side, or, or at least to imply that you have one. All right, all right, all right. If I must go, you're going with me. Well, if you insist, sir. I do insist. Fine. Okay, let's go. What? Let's go. Right now, sir? Milkins, this is your idea, sir. You're going to accompany me. All all right, sir. Yes, of course, I I will accompany you. Is he flat all right? Fine, fine, fine. Let's get downstairs. 
Good afternoon, Mr. Trellis. Good afternoon, Private Elevator. Lobby, please. Right away, sir. Would you like Vivaldi this morning? Huh? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Right away, sir. I just wish the media didn't over-dramatize these cave-ins. I mean, really. Sir. For the ones who survive in the air pocket, it's like being in a nice sauna, you ask me. Sir, this is why you have to let us draft your statement. And what's the big deal about being trapped underground anyway? Why, are they going to miss their precious reality TV shows? What the hell? Private elevator. Hello. Uh, uh, sir. Why won't these buttons work? The power. Oh, my God. Sir. That means we're trapped? Yes, but only because you... This is the worst calamity since Chernobyl. Sir. God, air. Sir. Air, help someone, sir. please. You leaned against the... Let me out. I can't stand it. Let me out. Sir, you leaned against the off switch. Huh? What? You leaned against the off switch. <laughs> there. Good afternoon, Mr. Trellis. Are you I'm a, I'm a, okay, sir? I'm a bit claustrophobic. <laughs> Thank God you don't actually want me to, to go down in the mine. Oh, uh, sir, sir, you you uh, <clears throat> you dropped your cell phone. Oh, it looks like you have a test coming. <laughs> read, read, read it to me, will you? <laughs> no. Well, it's from the Miners' Union, the uh, Collective Bargaining Committee. It reads, Dear Winslow, kindly get your head... Out of your ass so that we can put our collective foot in its place. I'm afraid to say how good that was because I don't want those two guys coming in here and asking for a raise. Bill Haywatt, Will Durst on the Inverse Delirium. You can catch more at InverseDelirium.com, iTunes, and Stitcher Smart Radio. Now, jumping back a few weeks to the L.A. PodFest, we have a clip from Caleb Bacon's Man School, which was done live at the fest. You may remember that Caleb was the host of the Gentleman's Club podcast, but hung up his bouncer's duds for a professor's hat when he debuted Man School. In this clip, we hear him with guests Chris Gore and Jason Smith, with kind of a sports-slash-cosplay mashup chat going on. Now, it just so happens, I brought a fantasy expert for us to have a little chat tonight. You did? So, ladies and gentlemen, you know him from a variety of television, from magazines, if you still read them, and, or if you used to read them, Film Threat Magazine, G4 Television, and he's the biggest fantasy fan I know from the show Podcrash, Chris Gore. Thank you. Thanks, Caleb. Oh, you got a, you got a football jersey. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, it's a shirt. It's, it's uh, my favorite number, four. Now, Chris, I was really excited yeah. when you said you wanted to do the show when you found out Jason Smith was here and you wanted to talk fantasy. Absolutely. I'm totally into guys in spandex beating the shit out of each other. If you've seen, like, The Avengers, that was awesome. <laughs> I'm totally into guys in spandex just pummeling the crap out of each uh, other. Yeah, yeah. That is my favorite kind of movie. Well, your favorite kind of movie? Avengers. No, we're talking... We're I talking love that you guys are cosplaying as Professor X or Star Trek, <laughs> <laughs> Captain Picard. I don't know what's going on. Maybe it's a Days of Future Past thing, Wait. that new X-Men movie coming up. Really looking forward to that X-Men movie. So I love uh, that you guys are cosplaying along with me. Uh, so, but Chris, fantasy, we're talking fantasy sports. Like, Jason, who's on your fantasy team? I found Matthew Stafford's on my team. Lion, kind of like you have, a little bit. 
Calvin Johnson's on my team, another Lion. Yeah. You know who these guys are? Chris, who's on your fantasy team? Ricky Ricardo's on my team. Thor. <laughs> Wait, Thor? Tony Stark. Wait, is he on the Falcon? Mr. Fantastic, oh. if I might just say. Your, uh, your jersey says Mr. Fantastic. It's, it's, which I have to say, I have to, uh, doing visual jokes on a podcast, highly recommended. <laughs> it's it's going to be in the podcast don'ts panel, which is on Sunday. Uh, to be uh, fair, you've dressed up more for podcasts than anyone else I know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. I'm totally you into the cosplay. I'm into the cosplay comedy, but... Maybe, Jason, could you answer one thing for me? Because I play this game with myself every Sunday. Because I do, I'm going to be honest, I do watch football. I watch football. And I take a drink every time a sports announcer says, I tell you what. Do you know how much I fucking drink? (laughs) I tell you what. I have a theory that I feel like a lot of the sports announcers um, are former athletes. And they've been beaten in the head so often. I feel like I tell you what is the pause phrase. Or it's some, maybe it's a safe word for them to get out of a thing. But if you actually listen to any sportscast and you hear how often, especially during the NFL broadcast, how often people say, I tell you what, it's a lot. <laughs> Do you have a theory about that? That's my theory. I, I, I tell you what is a very popular phrase. Also, it means uh, you know nothing. You know it what means I'm saying? N- nothing. <laughs> Let me tell you this. That's another good one. Right, right. Uh, I'll answer that question. That's another popular phrase. Um, <laughs> But you know, a lot of people do this is that they get uh, actual coaching from PR people that say, listen, when someone asks you a question and you want to answer it, use these words to help you answer the question so you're comfortable. Like, there was a big deal. The Jets had this. And it figured there's no team that needs PR more than the Jets. They actually had a card. Flash Gordon season. was a quarterback for the New York Jets, just pointing that out. <laughs> he saved the world from Ming the Merciless, Mongo. Anyways. That's Did you have him on your fantasy team that year? What's that? Did you have him on your fantasy team that year? Uh, no, I didn't. See, that would be a fun fantasy. Is foot, Scenes uh, where football is played in movies. I actually compiled a list once. MASH. There's a, in the original MASH movie. Oh, yeah. Well, they, give him, the, they give the guy the shot. Oh, my God. It's so good. Because he, so he was killing him running the football, so they gave him a shot on the field. So, so good. I mean, there's a, there's a lot. Flash Gordon, of course, has that great scene. Anyways, I'm sorry I interrupted your... Uh, no, that's okay. I'm thinking of the last Boy Scout where the guy was running oh, for a yeah. touchdown, and he actually pulled a gun out of his waistband and shot people on the that's way down the field. That's another great one. That's that was awesome. Billy Blanks. That was before so he was good. Tybo. That was Billy Blanks. Actually shot people going down the field. <laughs> And, he, and, he, and it was tough for him to score. Like, he had to, like, jump over people. At the end, like, you pull out a gun on so a football Jason, field. Jason, how many tonight. fantasy points did you get if you uh, cap someone in their ass at the 30-yard line? Well, because then the guy would be running away from you. So you don't get as many points as if it was, if it was a, a, a frontal. I missed catching up with Caleb at the fest. I did catch a glimpse of him, but we never got a chance to talk. We have been messaging back and forth to see if I can grab him for an interview when I'm back in L.A. next month. In the meantime, line up for Manschool at manschoolshow.com, iTunes, and Stitcher. Let's hang at the PodFest for a while longer. Tyson Sainer grabbed a clip from the My Wife Hates Me podcast with comedian Rich Voss and Bonnie McFarlane, which we've featured before, along with their guest and past Succotash guest, Andy Kendler. Bonnie and I sometimes don't agree on everything. Uh, and what we do uh, on our podcast is bring in a guest comic marriage counselor that can try to help us keep this marriage together. Give us some perspective. Because, I mean, we have a movie we're selling, and that's keeping us together now until it's sold. This is one of the great... Uh, he was funny. I'm in that movie. movie. 
Yes. Yeah. Don't uh, kid yourself, folks. I've got credits. Okay. <laughs> and so we bring up some time, and, and I feel that since you've been married, probably even a little longer than us. Yeah, I got married in 2002, but we've been dating uh, Susan, my wife. Thank you. You're well. Uh, Jackie loves my wife, and my wife loves Jackie. <laughs> And uh, we've been dating. We dated since like 1992. We got married in 2002. Wow! wow. And I and I remember we were all hanging out in Amsterdam together during the big time she cut her foot, but she got That's through right. it. That's right. That's right. You know, yeah. we were all in Amsterdam. I don't want to bring up uh, negative things. It was a little cut. It wasn't bad. Uh, so we go. We have a history. If it was a big cut, I would have never brought well, it up. You shouldn't have pushed her down the stairs. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> Okay, so we have some, some a couple issues here and there, and you know, plus you know, we talk comedy, we talk basically people we hate. Uh, Can I just tell a story about the Amsterdam thing? Because yeah. Rich came with me to one of those coffee shops to buy pot, Ooh. and uh, you know, obviously he's sober, uh, but he kept asking. He's also controlling. So on the way to the coffee shop, he kept asking me, "What are you gonna get? What are you gonna get?" I was <laughs> like, "I don't know. I mean, you know." I'm just going to get some pot, no no seeds. I don't know. <laughs> no and, seeds. Uh, I, says, I don't know. And then he came in, and it was a very, very calm setting. Everyone was kind of – it was morning, too. It was like 10 a.m., and everyone was kind of chill. Some businessmen were rolling some joints and putting them in their briefcases. And Rich came in and was like, I need pot, no seeds. Like, so <laughs> angry. And the guy goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Take it down a notch, buddy. That's what happened. when She wasn't used to my East Coast uh, aggressiveness. That's how we are. It's not You're not mean. You're just a little more aggressive on the East Coast. Like here, people are a lot more laid back because you're – Mainly because you're probably stuck in traffic all day, and you're right. You're yeah, that to... makes you very laid back. Well, yeah, steady no, show. It, it you, <laughs> People it makes... get very calm. No, stuck not in not in the traffic. In yeah. the overall aspect, it makes you realize you have to be patient in life. That's true. I'm more patient as I've lived out here. I used yeah. to be more edgy, but now forget about it. Yeah, I'm like I'm like Ram Das. Anybody? No, nope. nope. Well, listen, if you think <laughs> they don't know, the people listening. Well, really don't well, know. Well, he used to be rich. He was Richard Albert. Albert. He was the uh, Timothy Leary's partner at Harvard. And <laughs> I'm sorry. How long was it, were you all out for? Well. We went to Dunkin' Donuts. Tell them to Dunkin' Donuts. The, yeah. Okay. Well, this uh, we went to Dunkin' Donuts one time, and Rich feels that at Dunkin' Donuts, um, they should give you free munchkins if you buy a coffee. That's his... Like he just made it up in his mind that that's what should happen. So whenever and no no seeds too no yeah, seeds. No seeds. Munch kids no seeds. So whenever we go into Dunkin' Donuts, or if I had went in to get a coffee, he would be like, "Did you get the Munchkins?" And I'd be like, "I didn't." You know. So sometimes I would lie and pay for Munchkins and say they gave them to me because I felt a lot of pressure. And uh, one day we went in, and the guy wouldn't give him free Munchkins. And then Rich goes, put the munchkins in the bag. <laughs> and the guy put the munchkins in the bag and gave them to us. And oh, man. Yeah. I, no, I think if yeah. you spend, not a That's coffee. East Coast. That's East Coast. That's East Coast, if baby. You spend, if you spend uh, enough money anywhere, like you go into these delis in New York and you could, 
spend like $50, and then they have a little piece of candy for 50 cents, and you only have 30. And they go, no, 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 50. And it, you, you figure businesses are going to help you. You know what I mean? Right. To get yeah. Cut, that's what do you, are you just yeah. saying no, yes I, or no? I, I, you I know. power in every restaurant. Yeah. I go, oh, <laughs> no, I listen. hope uh, everything was spoiled and I didn't like it, but uh, thanks for bringing it. <laughs> That's, he accuses me of being Canadian all the time. He's like, ah, you're so Canadian. Oh, you mean like courteous? Yes. Woo! <laughs> Woo! Yes. No. See, people don't get it. That's what's going on in this country. That's what's wrong. This is what I live with. Check out more of the give and take of My Wife Hates Me at riotcast.com, iTunes, and Stitcher Smart Radio. But we are not done with Rich Voss yet. While at the L.A. Podfest, he hopped over and guested on Road Stories with Murray Valeriano. Murray was performing live as well, and I guess Rich Voss just doesn't have it tough enough at home. He shared a couple of the road horror stories from his working gigs on the road. We're working outside Kansas City, and I think it was Overton or uh, somewhere outside of Kansas City, because I always work the outside. <laughs> I'm always at the other club, okay? Right, right. D.L. Ugly's at the big club. I'm at the other club. So uh, uh, Bonnie McFarlane, who is uh, also a headline comic, and somehow we're married. Yeah, uh, okay. <laughs> we were both working together, and she was on stage. The front row was like this... Kansas City-type gangster who decided to throw his get-out-of-jail birthday party in the front row. <laughs> okay? And, you know, so there's these, like, half-gangsters. Right. Uh, some some uh, two girls, one gigantic guy. Right? So they're talking throughout Bonnie's set, and Bonnie's getting pissed. So yeah, just, yeah, 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 yeah. So Bonnie gets off stage, and she's yelling at the club owner, uh, Greg Glazier. Uh, real jackass. And <laughs> we bleep all club me, owner names out. Oh, you do? Yeah, yeah. Good, he owes me 200 Anyhow, uh, <laughs> uh, good. Uh, really? He's going to beat me for 200 So anyhow, <laughs> all right, Bonnie's, well, Bonnie's yelling at So I go on stage. I guess the host does a minute, brings me on. And I kind of try to befriend these guys, the biggest one in the front with the crew. I mean, the guy's a monster. Sure. So he's laughing. I kind of win him over, but they're talking. They're in and out of the bathroom doing coke and partying, and they're just you know they're just ruining the show. But I'm making it through the show. I got maybe ten minutes left, and all of a sudden the guy's talking. So the club owner comes walking out front and yells to the main guy, mm -hmm. "Shut the fuck up!" And the guy goes, "Who the fuck are you?" He goes, "I'm the club owner." Pow! Oh. So that guy. <laughs> That guy hits the club owner. Now, an all-out brawl. I'm not talking. I mean, the whole room goes into a big brawl, and I'm thinking, how am I going to sell my DVDs after this? <laughs> because, you know, if they all leave, I'm not going to make my extra can. I mean, I've never seen. This was a. The owner had his ribs broken. Cops were there. Holy shit. Uh, and it was just. A, a, a chairs were flying. I was on stage. Like a little, I was just kicking people that were coming at me like, <laughs> kick. That would be the gay kick, uh, <laughs> you know, in their back so they couldn't see me. And so the place was a wreck. Then I said, okay, I'll, I'll, I only had ten minutes left, but I did another forty-five minutes after it to recap the what? fight. <laughs> and there was a reporter there. He was reporting on something, so it was all documented. Uh, and I sold DVDs, and I said, I'll put Fight Night 
on my DVD, and I sold the most DVDs I ever. Oh, sold awesome! After show. <laughs> That's right. So, any. And him and Bonnie were able to have a good honeymoon because yes. of that fight night. Well, anywhere I work now, I hope a fight breaks out. If that intern goes to fucking Will Anderson's show, we're going to be a fight. <laughs> but, you know, you work on the road, there's nonstop nightmare stories. Yeah, it's yeah. It's just, you know, one time I was some guy in the audience. Uh, this was, I said, you know, I was trash. He had, he had, I'm sorry. His, Excuse me a second. Oh. This is, you don't need two microphones. Yeah. There you go. Uh, go ahead. He had the worst toupee. I go, what the fuck? Why would you do that? Here and he threw it at me. Uh, <laughs> you see a toupee come flying across, <laughs> you know, uh, in Aspen. When I was in Aspen, I, uh, you know, it, it's when my when my career started getting a lot of heat. Sure, I was in Aspen. I had all this heat. I didn't know. I've never been to a festival. Right, right. And all these people are coming up to me, and I said, and I suffer from anxiety to begin with. You know, and it's like all this, and then all of a sudden I got to go on stage between Sinbad and Carlin and all this at the Will Opera House. And next thing you know, I'm getting oxygen and being taken away in an ambulance <laughs> because <laughs> I could. I just thought I was having a heart attack, but it was I couldn't breathe and an anxiety attack mixed. Oh yeah, right? yeah. And you know, I'm sitting there, and Carlin looks at me. Ah, I've had six of them. Don't worry about it, kid. <laughs> uh, you know. So it's just it, it, there's so many nights. I, I that was I, an Aspen, right? Huh? That was an Aspen. Yeah, that was an Aspen. Because so the, the, the level, the what am yeah. I thinking of? The sea level. It's the, the, the altitude. Altitude. Thank See, you. See, I fucked up, and you did too. Now, I do, that's all I do is fuck up. I just <laughs> rely on you guys to be entertaining. I just hold the mic and organize you. I would uh, <laughs> hit the road with comics and more. Find road stories at roadstories.libsyn.com, iTunes, and Stitcher. I ran into Christine Blackburn from the Storyworthy podcast at the Podcast Lab at the festival. She hung out for a little bit, long enough to record an ID for the show. Hey, everybody. It's Christine Blackburn from Storyworthy here at the L.A. Podfest in Santa Monica, California. And I'm sitting here with Succotash. And if you know what's good for you, you'll follow him at Succotash. And you'll listen to Storyworthy and follow me, too, at Storyworthy. Oh, and by the way, make it a Storyworthy week. But she didn't give me a real interview. She had to run off to do her show, or one of the guests spinning a tale was Pearl Day, who talked about meeting and bowling with Michael Jackson when she was just 10 years old. So uh, I met my best friend when we were five years old. Her name is Chudney Ross. Um, her mother is Diana Ross. Um, and let's see, around this time, I think I was probably... About nine or ten, I think that would have been like 1985. So Thriller was probably was out already about two years. Um, I was a huge, huge, huge Michael Jackson fan. Like I would get together with my girlfriends at one of their homes, and we'd play with Strawberry Shortcake and watch the making of Thriller on VHS and chant "We love Michael Jackson," you know that kind of thing. <laughs> So I was over at Chudney's house one day playing Barbies upstairs in the children's wing. And, um, <laughs> and I hear the doorbell ring. And it's that one of those big doorbells that rings throughout the whole house. Bing, bong, 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 bong. Right? And Chudney, Chudney whips her head around. She goes, he's here. And I went, who's here? She goes, you'll see. And I was like, Okay. So we walk downstairs and we turn the corner. We come down, like there's these big winding 
ballroom staircase that curves around and we come down to the bottom we come around the corner and there's Diana opening the door welcoming Michael Jackson into the house because he'd come for a visit and I just kind of like froze and I remember just sort of like getting this huge smile and I started sweating like weird 10 year old sweaty and but I was like in heaven but I was and then I got all shy but um I remember that he was just all smiles. He was this amazing, amazing energy, huge, huge presence, really just like a, a benevolent cloud of happy guyness sort of thing. And I, as a child, it was like, yay, let's play, you know, <laughs> like, because that's, he, he was just so happy to be there. And Chudney has uh, two other sisters, uh, and also Alfonso Ribeiro was there because he <laughs> was friends with the girls and he had knew Michael Jackson because he at the time was really um, ha- enjoying all that fame from the tap dance kid that was on Broadway so but anyway I remember M- Michael walked in it was like two years after Thriller was out so he still had that sort of look going he had like the tight jerry curl and um, brown slacks that were a little bit short so you could see he had um, ankle socks, light blue ankle socks folded over, and he had black penny loafers on. I, I don't know why I remember exactly what he was wearing, because it was so interesting to me, because like nothing matched, but it was fantastic. And, and he had a pink button-down shirt on, and he had one of those military jackets on with the epaulettes, with gold piping and red ropes hanging down. Like that, and he had a, a sparkly glove on. He had one sparkly glove. And he walked in, and he was just like, hey, everybody. And he was like, Diana. And Diana's known him since he was like, since he was five years old. And um, so it was like family. And then we just proceeded to sort of hang out. We went, hung out in the living room. They had this, she, it's Diana's house. So it's like this massive, every, every room is massive. And, um, we, we hung out in the living room, and I remember just sort of being really shy, and Chudney, Chudney said to Michael, Pearl's really shy because you're here, and I was like, shit, I am not. And, then, and I remember him that, and then I remember Michael always sort of kind, of kind of like toying with me like, Pearl, like sort of like, not in a creepy way, but sort of like, don't be shy, it's just me, you know, and Alfonso was like dancing around. And <laughs> <laughs> but it was just really, really a lot of fun, you know, and... Then at some point we went downstairs into the game room because Diana has a bowling lane down in the basement in the game room, like a fully functional bowling alley, like a Brunswick lanes with the, yeah, with the mechanized return system and all the different size balls and uh, a full closet with every size two-tone bowling shoe that you could ever, that for, like a, for who, you know, for whoever drops by, like Michael Jackson. And... Um, Michael asked me what size shoe I wear, and he handed me the shoes out of the closet, and it was just, we, we went bowling. I went bowling in Diana Ross's basement with Michael Jackson and Alfonso Ribeiro, and we had a blast. There are always interesting tales at storyworthypodcast.com, iTunes, and Stitcher. Coming up a little bit later will be my interview with podcast producer extraordinaire, Sean Merrick, but there are still more clips 
to get to. I was trying to keep the clips on this episode reined in to just podcast festival shows, but there's just too much going on. I like to celebrate when podcasts hit their episode 100, but this time it's a bittersweet hurrah. Our friends Howard, Keith, and Ben in England, the brains behind the I Am Idiot podcast, just dropped their centennial epi, but at the same time, they've announced it will be their last episode as well. Bummer. I swapped a couple of tweets with them and found out that they'd always planned on just putting in 100 shows and then moving on to something else. So here's a taste of the final idiot. So this is a new part of the show uh, for the final show that we're going to call the I Am Idiot Gordon Ramsay's Wow Count PowerPoint presentation. Snappy. Um, Acronymize that. So I'm just gonna hand I'm Please. just gonna hand out these PowerPoint presentations Great. to each of you. There you go, and I'll take you through them. Is this a quiz? No. No. So uh, if we go to there's just the title page. Yeah. Gordon Ramsay Wow Count in 2013. Yeah. yeah if you go to the first on, first page, what I've been basically doing is watching Gordon Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares USA. USA. Yeah. Uh, it's a great show. I don't know if you've seen it. If you're familiar with it, it's basically about. a a, a silly man who shows his ass off and, yeah, and financially goes and swears unsound. at people, yeah, and um, and then and then yeah, just basically systematically abuses people on camera, yeah, uh, and the same show seems to repeat time after time, which is why well, they're Americans. Keith, quite a lot stop of them going are, forward. They're Americans. Quite a lot of them are retired. I'm bored of this page already. Well, Keith, you say that, but let me give you a little bit of insight. Listen to the speaker. Basically, that comes the screen. What's interesting is that Gordon Ramsay says the word "wow" an awful lot. Yeah, there isn't a really a, a, a five-minute segment that goes by without him saying wow. "wow, wow." He says it a lot, usually meaning "my god, that's shit." Yeah, um, but he so says, wow. I'll say something like to you. I'll say something like, um, "Tell me what's your philosophy uh, for cooking eggs," and you'll go, oh, "I throw them at the wall and piss myself." Wow. Yeah, exactly like that. Um, so what I started doing was counting them, and you notice. Keith, do you know who Gordon Ramsay is? I just oh, thought. just just get on with it. Right. You'll notice by show one, he, he I counted up to I think twelve, eleven or 12. eleven, eleven. That is eleven. yeah, eleven. And then by show t- two, he dropped, he dipped down again, and I thought, Seven. oh dear, maybe that was just an anomaly. Then on shows three and four, two he shot up. He wow! Shot up. But then what? Wow! I, wow! And then what I noticed? Is, turn the page. Yeah, turn the page. Okay. The next one is click. Gordon Ramsay. Oh yeah. Uh, I, I noticed uh, he had another show called Hotel Hell, which is basically like Hotel Inspector with Gordon Ramsay swearing at people. Wow. The wows are in there again, but to some extent, because even though on the first one it, it was only about six, the next one produced a staggering number. 16. I'd say that's seven on the first one. Yeah, wow. You can't 17 on the second one. Wow, you But what I did to sort of summarise is create a summary on the next page. Okay, good. Sorry. Are you going to put this um, PowerPoint on the website? Oh, no. So, um, uh, in the summary, the total wow count for all my viewing was 78. Wow. That means an average number of wows per show is 13. Wow. Weeks three, week three saw two hat-trick wows. How do they work? So that is a wow, wow, wow. Did he do that? He actually did that. He's, wow. But he did two wow. of them. Yeah. Wow. And then in week four, there were 16 wows, and then he gave up. So he actually walked out on the show, on the people that so he was meant to be doing it. do you think it's like... A kind of tipping point where he can he can wow himself into giving up. I think so. There's probably some other. What graph. is that tipping point? Oh, it's probably about sixteen. Wow. Well, did you do a Venn diagram of any kind during yeah. this experiment? Yeah, it just didn't, it just didn't, didn't make it into the final. Ramsey's Hotel Hell. He started slow with just eight wows, 
uh, and one piss pie. Wow. But then um, he recently, he reached 18 in one episode, including another hat-trick of wows. Wow, wow, wow. Now, I've written a conclusion. Yeah. Uh, I thought, Keith, you might like to read the conclusion and actions, because it's good to have some actions out of the conclusion, isn't it, Hal? Yeah, I'm worried about Keith doing this, to be honest, because... Oh, don't worry. Go for it. Conclusion and actions. Yeah. These are the measures to be taken. You're very aggressive. He says wow a lot. Mm-hmm. That's one conclusion we've come to. Mm-hmm. Secondly... That shows a lack of vocabulary and something he needs to stop. That's, that's right. right. Number three. Bullet point number three. I've also noticed that in Hotel Hell he shows his arse off a lot. A lot at an alarming rate. Usually when he, for some reason, tries out the bath. He always has a bath, does he? Or a shower. Wow. This is probably due to someone in his production team telling him he has a nice arse. Don't think that needed another bullet point. I think, I think it just, did. I think that's just an addendum. It's added insight. Third bullet point. Number five, he needs to stop this. Okay, yeah. that's the main one. Okay. Yeah. He needs to stop it. <clears throat> so oh. that's it. So is this know. called the Ben Report, if you say? <laughs> no. But it can be. Yeah, why don't you call it the Ben Report? Okay, good. Call it the Ben Report, yeah. Yeah. That's brilliant. Because how nice that they don't got any connection <laughs> to it. <laughs> I love that they introduce a new segment specifically for their final episode. Go get the whole Final Idiot episode up at IamIdiotCentral.com, iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. And catch the rest of their past shows as well, because those guys are pretty funny. I'm going to miss those blokes. Back at the L.A. Podcast Festival, where Phil Hendry was on hand with Phil Hendry's Hmm with Bobby Dooley, one of the better-known characters from Phil's long-running radio show. I've heard Phil as a guest on a couple of podcasts recently, and although he is still doing some radio, he is now embracing the podcast model. Here he is as Bobby Dooley and her husband occasionally, along with his guest and podcast festival co-organizer, Graham Elwood. Are you open to people doing their podcasts from here that are unknown and are just starting out and may not have a big following, but they're like, hey, Mr. Elwood, I do a podcast, you know? Yeah, we're trying to, you know, we've, we've brought a lot of smaller shows in this year. We're trying to really mm-hmm. encourage the medium of podcasting. And yeah. We've got the lab, the Squarespace labs, so smaller shows can come and record and get interviews because there's a lot of name comedians and actors and stuff working here. So we're really trying to... Who are the big names here right now? I want to go meet them and get an autograph or something. Well, not an autograph because I don't really do that, but um, I want to pretend like I know them is what I do. I go, Hi. Hi. Listen, later on we have to, and I'll just do that. And they'll look, and they'll do this, and people will think they're going, I don't have time. And actually, they're saying, I don't know you. You know? <laughs> so who are some of the big names? You know, we've had, um, mm. well, we had uh, Joey McIntyre mm. from New Kids on the Block was uh, just at the comedy film. I don't know who he is. Joey McIntyre? Yeah. Okay. And um, It works. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, Aisha Tyler uh, has got her podcast in the festival. Isn't that and, great? Uh, let's, hear, let's hear it for another person yeah. I don't know. And uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of the younger people though are doing it. The older comics are not going to do it because it scares them, doesn't it? The technology, the technology. Sure. For instance, if you were going to get a mainstream comic, they're frightened of it. Oh, I don't know how to do that. So a lot of it's the younger people. Well, not necessarily. I mean, Mm. I think it's uh, I. I think there's a lot of comics who are, are turning on to it. You know, John Lovitz did his podcast here. Oh, John Lovitz, wonderful. I love him. Yeah. yeah. He did his uh, last night, and that was really neat. And did he hang around to talk with people, or did he just in and out like a egotistical cunt? <laughs> what did he do? 
well, you, you know, often wonder about that, don't you? You go, oh, I'm, I'm going to come in, and then I got to leave because everyone's so oily here. I, yeah, hi, how are you? And I don't know how they do that. Yeah, I, th- I think he came. In, I think he had a nice time. Mm-hmm. I think he was, I think he was uh, trying to be friendly and shake hands a lot. That's of people, wonderful. That's and, wonderful. You know, I, I don't. Isn't that great when they yeah, do it was that? Great. He's good. He's a good guy. He's very helpful to the festival, and it's been it's been a nice time. When you say helpful, was he what carrying dishes in and out, or was he? <laughs> Oh, I just mean like promoting Plugging it. Plugging in, Mike. Oh, I see promoting. Yeah, yeah get behind yeah, they it. They don't do that, Bobby. It's very helpful. They're going to promote. I don't know. I, when you say helpful, I think whether well, John's out right now getting cable from the car, and we're going to plug in some amps, and then he has to go and uh, change into his waiter outfit, you know, and bus tables. So who else? Aisha uh, Taylor, John Lovitz. Uh, yeah, we had uh, Jimmy Pardo. Was, uh, Jimmy doing... is hysterical. Yeah, he's. Oh. I had him on my pod, my podcast. He was a very wonderful guy. He's great. Yeah, Never Not Funny, one of the original like comedy yes, podcasts. Yeah, yeah so that was good. And he's having um, uh, one of the cast members of Mad Men on his show, and, and that's going to be... So there's a huge... There's a lot of... The, the original cast of... Uh, I think T.J. Friday is going to be on Pop My Chips, and there's a lot, of, a lot of big-name stars. If you go to the Facebook page for the Los Angeles Podcast Festival, you can see all the people who are going to be here this Well, week. since we're on after the fact, this is going to be airing when, Sean? Where's Sean? Where's my producer? Um, excuse me. <laughs> I'm so very sorry, but we had Lauren and I stopped off, and we had some fish tacos over there at, at King Taco. Oh, God, oh my God, big deal. Phil Hendry is one crazy, amazing talent. You can get Bobby Dooley's show off of SideshowNetwork.tv, iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Tyson Saner found us a twofer, which saves a little time. One of the live shows at the PodFest was Stuff You Should Know with Josh Clark and Chuck Bryant. But those guys hadn't dropped their festival episode as of the time I put this episode together. But they did sit down with Dave Siasio and Robert Chan, hosts of the Science Jerks podcast, for an interview in the podcast lab. Funny enough, I saw this interview going down about six feet away from where our succotash table was set up. The guys talk about the theft of Einstein's brain. Hi, guys. Hey. We're, we're sitting here with this guys from Stuff You Should Know, Josh and Chuck. Woo. Welcome. We just watched your show. It was very funny. Did you like it? It was about mm-hmm. comedy, and yeah. it was also funny. We did our best. <laughs> That's the good thing about being an information podcast. We don't have to be funny. Yeah. That was my so, worst nightmare that was to do a show about being funny and not be funny at all. You were funny. <laughs> well, if you don't set the bar, if you, if you don't claim to be funny, then you can only increase expectations. Exactly right. Yeah. It's low expectations. Would you guys like to talk about a story with us? Yeah. Sure. We either have... I hope we know something about it. <laughs> you don't have to know <laughs> no, anything. Oh, oh, good, good. This, this, we'll, we'll you guys aren't science We could either talk all. about... <laughs> science nice guys. <laughs> yes, exactly. That is the second time somebody's told us that. And I, I think it's the uh, third. It's, it's really in our rap. I don't want to be a jerk here, but I believe three people have told us we're nice guys. Um, we could talk about wireless electricity or oh, Einstein's Tesla, brain. Huh? We actually, we've talked about te- uh, Einstein's brain before. We did an episode on it. It's pretty fascinating yeah. stuff. Yeah. Did you see the, there's a new thing that just came out um, this week where they have been studying Einstein's brain. I guess what happened after he died, someone 
filleted it up, the, right? The, the guy performing the autopsy stole it and kept oh. it. He stole the brain. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't. And I he kept it for like 40, 40 years. Yeah. Took it on road trips with him. But wait, wait, he wait, had wait, it on to, Oliver. To, to what? Like talk to it? or No, like, no, no. Like to, <laughs> although you get t- the impression that he probably had a conversation or two <laughs> yeah. with it. But um, he he had it available as a scientist. Like if you wanted, if you were a respected scientist, oh, okay. he would give you a, a tranche of it. Or to, yeah. to to study. So he stole it for altruistic purposes. Ultimately, yeah. He's like a brain Robin Hood. Pretty much. <laughs> so Pretty weird. Much, right. Why would you do that? But he had it well, for what years. he did apparently, or somebody did. I, I assume it's the guy who stole it. Was uh, slice it up thinly and mm. take photographs, take vi- very high res photographs of every slice, knowing that in the future we would want, we'd probably, as technology increases, be able to discern more and more information for that. that's foresight. Yeah. Yeah. It really was. Foresight and and theft. It it paid off. (laughs) So just this week, they uh, published a a story about, it's called the corpus callosum, Mm -hmm. which is the part that kind of uh, is in the center that connects the, the hemispheres. Right. The right and left hemisphere. And it turns out Einstein had a pretty... Badass corpus callosum. Yeah. Compared to average, he, he had many more, I, I don't know if it was like 10 times as many or something like that, connections mm-hmm. in right. his corpus callosum than most people did. So they think he could, he could analyze novel information more quickly or maybe more soundly or more robustly than the average person. Like yeah. his brain literally is different. Right, it, it it actually is, and the th- other interesting thing is we know that the the, the left and right hemispheres have different purposes. Mm-hmm. The corpus callosum, I don't know exactly what it does, but it has to do with the hemispheres linking to each other. Right. So his creative side and his analytical side were more densely linked. Mm-hmm than most of us mere humans. Which, I mean, ultimately, like, that is genius, isn't it? It's like not just being, um, you know, head down in science or your head in the clouds in the the humanities. Like, to be able to take uh, different experiences and link them together and look at them those two radically different ways. I mean, that's what makes someone smart. I've Absolutely. got a corpus callosum fact for you. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. I thought you just said you, you had one. <laughs> yeah, <I have laughs> Me hey, too. I've got a corpus callosum. Uh, damage to the corpus callosum is what causes alien hand syndrome. Oh, yeah? That's yep. what causes what? Alien hand syndrome. That is oh. uh, Dr. Strangelove syndrome when you'll be right. sitting there and your hand will start unbuttoning your shirt or smacking yourself in the face mm-hmm. it's it's damage to the corpus callosum can cause that isn't now, there something else like uh it was i don't remember if it's either like epilep- epilepsy Epileptics or uh, will have it severed right yeah to, to control their seizures they'll have the connections between the hemispheres severed yeah which the, i think would lead to things like alien hand syndrome right. but it, it cures the we're about to do one on epilepsy i think for yeah. november's epilepsy Ooh. month Ooh. oh is it will yeah. you be slicing so, any brains Huh? <laughs> Slicing any brains? Oh man, I'd love to. We need to get <laughs> our hands on a slice of Einstein's brain. Yeah. I'm not even. I'm not interested in Einstein's brain. I want to see what Hitler's brain looks like. What is like? What sort of screwy Just things are going on in his Hitler's dark, <laughs> dense mess? <laughs> Just a big old black lump in the middle. <laughs> that is interesting, though, to study. Uh, I know, like with serial killers, they, they try to literally study the brain. Yeah, see mm-hmm. where the malfunction is. Or uh, the the football players now are are killing yeah. themselves and yeah, yeah, saying yeah. like donate my brain to science. Yeah, there's a yeah, lot of protein concussions there. Oh, they they're linking that to the brain damage. Yeah, yeah. from from concussions. Sports. Well, Go team. Yeah. <laughs> so here's the double plug for that clip. Get more at either sciencejerks.com or stuffyoushouldknow.com/podcasts or either show at iTunes and Stitcher. 
Okay, before we get to the interview with our special guest, Sean Merrick, I have a song from our friend, singer-songwriter John Anilio. John recently announced his retirement from the world of science fiction novelty songs to focus on other kinds of music. But I'm glad to see he hasn't gotten it all out of his system yet because he just released a new four-song EP that you can download for free if you want. You can kick him some money, suck a tash did, at johnanilio.com. That's J-O-H-N-A-N-E-A-L-I-O dot com. And I will play the title song, A Stormtrooper for Halloween, right after this important word from our sponsor. Bonjour, amigos. Bill Haywatt here to ask, just how relaxed are you? Well, not just right now, but at any time, day or night, whether you're working or just kicking it around the house. Unless you've always got either half a heat on or have been prescribed Thorazine, chances are that most of the time, you're as uptight as a nun at a bishop's beer blast. Well, we're here to help you change that state of mind, and all you have to do is slip into a pair of Henderson's Chillin' Churidars. Yes, modeled after the classic Churidar pajamas of South Asia, these comfortable pants are wide at the waist and narrow at the ankle, making them perfect leisure pants, especially if you like to stuff your face and then fall asleep promptly afterwards. And while you'd think you'd have to be sporting either a kurta if you're a man, or a kameez if you're a woman, these chillin' churidars have been specially designed by Hendersons for those with a western sense of style. So throw on your favorite t-shirt, tank top, or just go topless around the house for the ultimate in comfortable lounging. While at work, it's always Casual Friday when you're sporting an airy, comfy pair of Henderson's Chillin' Churidars, even if you're required to wear a jacket and tie. Originally designed for Haji from Johnny Quest, I Dream of Genie, and the Harem Eunuchs of Kuala Lumpur, Henderson's Chillin' Churidars are perfect when you want to sling your sack and butt into something saggy. That's Henderson's, makers of Salwas and Farshi since 1593, and now Back to Succotash. I had an old white shirt and a store bought mask and a broken water gun within my grass. Tattered pants were lined with a trickle tape. It was the greatest costume that was ever made. And I wish I could relive that on the day. When I dressed up like a stormtrooper. From door to door collecting a loop. I wouldn't eat the candy in my pillowcase. 
Eve, that was a Stormtrooper for Halloween by John Anilio, who's also the co-host of the Functional Nerds podcast. So remember, you can get to johnanilio.com and download that four-song EP. That was the title track. And some of the songs uh, are are more serious. So uh, he's uh, making good on his, uh, his promise to move along to other song types. There's a link to his album up at SuccotashShow.com, by the way. Without further ado, it's time for my interview with Sean Merrick, who was kind enough to duck out of the podcast festival long enough to chat with me in the podcast lab. Um, anyway, I'm with Sean Merrick. We're in the podcast lab at uh, the 2013 second annual Los Angeles Pod Fest podcast festival. Podcast festival. And uh, I met Sean last year at uh, the fir- very first one of these. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the time, you were um, you were producing uh, Chris Gore's uh, Pod Crash. Yes. And uh, what else were you doing at that time? And well, we'll talk about what's happened since. Then. Well, my, my my yeah my job as far as podcasting goes at the time was I was originally uh, producing Chris Gore's Pod Crash, and uh, which I still do today. And I also produced, well, not produced, but I was doing some uh, odd jobs, some clerical stuff, just still putting together some lists for uh, comedy film nerds. You know, for their every week they have a list of movies that need to be talked about, and I put that together for them. Okay. You know, I was helping. That's actually how I met Chris, too, is yeah. how I got, into, got in with Chris, is because Chris was a guest on Comedy Film Nerds, which I was interning on. Oh, okay. So I, and I, you know, just hanging out, and Chris at the time was talking about wanting to do Pod Crash. He had this, like, I have this great idea about doing a podcast, and I want to do this, this, and this. And Chris Mancini and Graham were able to vouch for me because my background uh, came from the reason why I was working with Chris and Graham was because I had a pretty extensive background in radio. I came from radio. Okay. In addition to... Uh, uh, on mic, off mic? Both on mic and off mic. Uh-huh. I was a on-air talent at uh, WEDG Buffalo where I was um, it was this alternative rock station. And I, I did also did a metal show there. That was my thing. I was a big metal guy. So... I, I did that, and then um, I got it, and I came to L.A. I was I, I came to L.A. 
in 2010, and I was a really big fan of comedy film nerds, and I always would hear them talk about how they wanted somebody to be, you know, to help them out, and I think uh, at the time, uh, the guy, uh, Dan Katz, who went on to, who, who was still working for Jimmy Pardo, ended up, um, and, uh, he, he left them, so they were looking for somebody else, so I, I applied, and basically, you know, hung out there every Tuesday when they taped in, in the Valley, and I was living in the Valley at the time, and, and this is getting a really long-winded story, but anyways, <laughs> I was, so, so, anyway, so I, I hung out with them, and I got to do some, you know, I was putting together a list for them, and Chris came in, talked about doing Podcrash, and Chris and Graham vouched for me about my, you know, my experience at radio, also a podcasting experience. I used to do uh, a podcast called Monday Night Mayhem, based out of Buffalo. I was a guest host, a co-host on there. It's a pro wrestling show. All right. And it was actually that was a pot. I remember being strictly online all the way back to 2006. So it was very early in the podcast boom, even before I think iTunes was really a factor. At least for us. Yeah. We were doing the online presence, and that's how we were pushing it, because we didn't have a studio or a radio station anymore to work with. So I was working with them. So I was able to get in, you know, just with that experience, and uh, Chris and Graham recommended me to, you know, Chris Gore, and Chris Gore and I just talked about doing the show and put together this big, giant list. I remember putting together this big, giant list of all these shows that Chris, Chris should consider crashing. Right, right. And it was this ridiculous, just, I still have it. It was like this big Excel sheet where I listened to it, and I listened to every show, snippets of every show, gave a little synopsis, audio quality, just given, try to give him as much information as possible. And he was so enamored with that because, you know, he loves carpent, compartmentalizing things. <laughs> he's a big, he's big into that. So he really dug that, and we were able to, you know, kind of base that original podcast. Okay, and, and just for, for for folks that are not familiar yes. with that format, you know, we've had Chris on the show uh, before he co-hosted, uh, but for people who aren't familiar, just sort of just give us a sort of encapsulated version of what Podcrash is in terms of the format, because it, it is very unique. Chris Gore goes on other people's podcasts, and he every week Chris is a guest on a podcast. And he plays clips from his appearance on somebody else's podcast on his show and comments in between or before and after. And it's really like, it's just a way for him because he's got so many interests that he is able to jump on these other shows and, you know, talk about whatever it is. Like he's done shows like Such and Such Suckatash, so it was a very meta podcast that he did. Very, very meta podcast, especially when I played a clip from pod crash and he was co-hosting with me talking yes. about the clip from his show and then later on pod crash when they played you guys played the clip of him talking about the clip of your sh- yeah it, was, it just kind of blew up. yeah it was just one of those things where it was, it was a very weird setup and stuff and just but the way that you know we we do it is you know i'll listen to the shows that he's on and find like snippets of things that he's saying that people that that's like it's just stuff that maybe he can talk about, expound upon, and, you know, to, to comment on. Because, you know, I mean, the, each podcast that he's on is a unique experience, right. you know, especially if it's a, in person. You know, he can say, it's like, man, you know, like, I think one of the shows that, I think it was one of the shows that you reviewed was the one where he taped the podcast in the video store. Yes. With the guys that brought the giant computer stack. <laughs> yeah. And it was just a very, like, odd 
setup, <laughs> but it's something that's like that's something you could talk about. And yeah. It's like kind of like a DVD commentary. I've always actually explained it as a DVD commentary for a podcast because and, and it fits because Chris, you know, is known for his film right, review film work, threat, yeah, and you know he loves DVD commentary. So I think that's a very fitting, you know, fitting uh, role for him as a podcaster. Right. So following last year's podcast festival, you have sort of snowballed what you're doing with podcasting. Yeah, it's it's been really weird. What, because what happened was Chris, ironically, here enough, was able to be in contact with uh, the folks over at the Sideshow Network, uh-huh. and that kind of set him up to become a part of the network, the Sideshow Network, and as Chris was getting set up there, they at the same time, at the the Sideshow Network is a part of Levity Entertainment, mm-hmm. and they were looking. You know, they had their own d- digital department, where which is what Sideshow is a part of. So, I mean, in addition to handling, uh, you know, I mean, Levity Entertainment is known for managing comedians, you know, producing television shows, reality television, uh, you know, managing lifestyle uh, projects. But they want they have a digital department that where you know the people handle social media and everything. And in our in our case, they was like we're like well we have an outlet, a chance to do an outlet for podcasting. Right. People, you know, we, we can get our comedians, our clients to be a part of it. So, or just you know whoever it is that wants to do a podcast. So I mean, and, and it's grown, you know, exponentially since a year. And Chris has been a, Chris was a part of that. So and then they they were looking for somebody to come on and kind of be like. A, uh, basically, like a producer, you know, producer to kind of put together the shows that are in studio, upload them, uh, promote them, you know, schedule stuff. I mean, just do a lot of like the the heavy duty work that comes with like you know, podcasters coming in and just doing their show because a lot of them are clients that you know they're touring comedians or they're you know they they have their own agendas where they can't do all that work and they're not really experienced with it, so they need somebody right. else to help out and get that up every week and make sure that it's on track. And everything, and that's that's basically what I do. And I was able to do that in, in addition to doing Chris's show. And that was uh, kind of it's kind of it's weird. I'm one, I feel like I'm one of the few people that actually gets paid to do podcasting. That's a good point. It's it, it, it just it, sometimes I, like, so in the days that are really difficult. I'll be, wait a minute. I get paid to podcast. Yeah. I don't. I, I can think. I can. I, maybe there's got to be like maybe a handful, maybe two. Yeah, I mean, it's like a few producers in town or people that do that stuff professionally. Yeah, and I it just it's 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 an honor, it's really an honor to be a part of it. And I just I, I mean I you know and just trying to you know cultivate new shows and everything. Like, I mean, it's stuff that I can I get more into. I just don't want. Sure. But that's basically how I got there. Um, so what uh, in not just the last year, but the the times you've been involved now with um, with podcasting, what, what sort of major Sort of shifts, if any, have you seen in in a what's being offered and b how podcasts are sort of being accepted? Well, I'll answer the second part first. As far as podcasts being accepted, people are. I think there's more of an awareness amongst comedians and personalities that understand that understand that this could be a potential medium to get them. Ahead, uh, professionally, like mm-hmm. in their careers. Excuse me, like in their careers, and to be able to do uh, like bigger, bigger things like TV shows, you know, tours incorporated into their live shows as a comedian yeah. or as a performer. 
you know, that people are realizing this is something that I can use to, you know, to reach a different audience than I normally would be used to reaching. Right, right. And there's more of an awareness that with that, especially with, um, you know, the success of stuff like Mark Maron's show, mm-hmm. Comedy Bang Bang, uh, you know, people just looking at Adam Carolla and, like, a lot of those guys seeing, you know, they think this is something that if, if you do it right and if you do it in such a way that will people will, will jump aboard, you know, you have unlimited potential. Yeah. Because it's, it's still, even though it's been around for a while, it's still a very new situation. Um, but as far as, uh, I think the first part of your question was... What sort of um, offerings are, are coming out now as opposed to when it started, which was, I think when podcasting first really got started, it was mostly interviews. Right. Well, now uh, more people are realizing, like, what your niche is. Like, if you're a... They're realizing that you can't just do the interviews. You got to have something different. You got to have the angle, right. and that's always something. At least with sideshow, when somebody comes aboard, you know, we will be like, "Look, you know, we got to do something. You know, what can you? What do you want to do that's different? You know, what do you think would fit you better than just sitting down talking to somebody?" Right. Because you know, I mean, it's great if you know. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's those shows always depend on the host. They always depend on that's the personality right. host, and I mean, and that's you, you could still do that. You could definitely still do that, but there's so many of them yeah. that it's gotten to the point where it's like, well, what can you bring that's different? You know, what can can you do sketches? Can you have something that makes that that's in, in, ingrained in your personality that's going to make this a bigger deal than what it is that it, instead of just talking to somebody? Yeah, I mean, I've definitely uh, seen through the advent of what this podcast is about, um, a rise in the variation of entertainments that are being offered in terms of not just sketch, but just sort of interesting readings and uh, people are beginning to really play with the medium. Well, a big example, I think, is, uh, and I'm not really familiar with the show, but I know that they're super huge, obviously, is uh, Welcome to Night Vale. Yes. Like, what they're doing, from what I understand, the way the show is, you know, based around, it's just... You know, it, it's like a bite-sized morsel. It's like it's like an audio morsel of like Twin Peaks kind mm-hmm. of weirdness that you can get, and people are just digging it. And it's just yeah. like you know the storytelling in it. It, it has just you know, it, it, you know, t- it, 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 I, from what I understand, it blew up on Tumblr. Okay, and that's I think where a lot of popularity is. My wife spends a lot of time on Tumblr, so she was telling me it's like a Tumblr just can't stop talking about it. Huh. And so, because out of nowhere it came out of nowhere, but obviously they're doing something different. It's not just them sitting there talking. Yeah, to, it's not just hey, someone was talking to a guest and it blew up on Tumblr. I was like, no, there's obviously something magical about what they're doing. Yeah, and I mean it's not only that, but also with the get you know with the comedians themselves or just any kind of host like. People, they're finding new ways to, you know, pair them up, pair themselves up with just something to make it different. Well, yeah, and it's also being able to get the, you know, the rare interview that nobody else is getting in terms well, of that. I mean, look at Paul Mercurio, yeah. you know, who's over on SciShow Network. He got Paul McCartney. Uh, he had Stephen Colbert. He's had, he's, had, he's had Jay Leno. I mean, he's he had Brian Regan recently. Yeah. I mean, these are cats that don't do shows very often. That's right. You know, and that's something that. And I mean, the Nerdist also does, 
yeah. very well. Is and obviously they're they're they got a lot of juice behind them and a lot of credibility behind them. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, for them to be able to get Tom Hanks and Metallica, and Stanley, and you know, a lot of these guys at a drop of a hat, isn't that hard for them to do? Well, I was, you know, I just uh, I, I had sort of a self uh, babbling episode, half episode I just did on the way down here, uh, where I was talking about the idea that. It's an indication to me that podcasting is beginning to get more mainstream now because publicists are beginning to use it as a tool. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, before you'd have to beg to say, I want to get a Stan Lee or I want to get a Tom Hanks. Now it's like, oh, the audience demographic that we're trying to reach is... L- they're listening to these things. Yeah, and they want, and the publicists want to be able to use that. You know, they, I mean, we have a, a publicity... publicity a PR team that helps us out and try to get our you know some of our people out to the our clean you know, our shows out you know and our hosts out to different ad view you know evidence and stuff and it's just it has to be diversified and people need you know, that they need to be able to utilize that because it's just it's a new medium that's not going to probably go away anytime soon. They need to accept it. They need to know. And I think there's a there's a big still a very big divide in in people that know how to do use podcasts and people that don't mm-hmm. and you know for something like that we're at right now i mean these are people that are in the know but it's and it can only get it's only gonna get bigger sure i mean it's it feels it feels it already feels huge well yeah i mean there's there's literally over two hundred and fifty thousand podcasts and you still go well it's still it's still a small yeah, it's just, industry which is just kind of funny to hear that size number and how many people are actually kind of in tune to what this is yeah i don't i don't think people I think there's there are people that don't quite realize that there has there can be like a a potential mm-hmm. for what it is that they do and who they are. You know, there's like I think the, like the older generation because that's how, there's a lot I see a lot of that come you know we see a lot of that come through because a lot sometimes comedians mm-hmm. you know that have you know just been either been established in like radio or just road comics and they're like well, we want to try this yeah. You know, and it's you know it's not as easy to transition over, but they they're trying to figure it out. Yeah, which gets into this uh, something I've been on about the last few episodes of, of this show, which is I came to this realization that podcasting has now gotten to this point where it is its own medium. Mm-hmm. Before it was radio on the internet, basically, and the shows you could do on radio, you would do on a podcast. You would yeah. interview people, you'd sit around and talk about a particular topic but now people are beginning to play with this more and make it more i mean uh you know uh welcome to nightville i think is a great example of how do we do this another one is um super ego you know sketch comedy that was you know those guys didn't do sketch comedy until they started doing their or something like the todd glass show yeah like just you know so many you know they're, they're realizing that you there's no limits a lot of times my my boss at work is like we could try something and fail. It doesn't matter. Yes. Because yeah. you, you, you never, because we could try anything we want, you know, as far as podcasting. I mean, if it, and it's even, if it makes, you know, if it's proven to make money, even better. Yeah. You know, I mean, and we're trying, especially too, I, we're noticing that, you know, there's a lot of talents, like bigger talents, people that, you know, they just, they're, they're catching on. They're like, hang on, you know, I could, Dude, I can reach this audience here. Like, I mean, I got my audience. I have, I have an audience, but you know, like even like, like let's put this way. Even like Maria Menounos is doing a podcast. Mm-hmm. Now, of all people, you wouldn't think that she needs that kind of attention, but in her case, you know, I mean, she's interviewing blockbuster stars and people, yeah. which 
you know, people that you're never going to probably hear on a podcast because they don't have that kind of access to them. Right. Like, she can interview, you know, she's interviewing Vin Diesel, and it's like, well, the average guy is, you know, not going to, you know, podcaster is, you know, going to get a brief snippet of him when he's walking by a Comic-Con. Right. But, I mean, he's not going to sit down with you for 30 minutes or 20, right. you know, whatever, and, you know, unless if you're Maria Menounos or, you know, or the Nerdist or something, yeah. you know? It's just, there's... But there's there's people that are realizing the usage of this, and especially also, uh, you know, networks realizing that. Um, and this is this is really it was, it was actually evident over the summer. We started a podcast called Sullivan's Son Behind the Bar, mm-hmm. which was Caleb Bacon of, of uh, Man School. He's a writer on Sullivan's Son. Right, right. So Caleb was like, "Hey, why don't I get some mics?" Get to start. Get some each week. We'll during the season. We'll promote the show, and we'll promote the comedy dates that they have because they're doing a tour in correlation with the show. Okay. And you know, because it's supposed to come in Steve Byrne, Roy Wood Jr., Owen Benjamin, and it, but you know, Caleb's like, hey, why don't we just sit down? We just get some of these guys to come and record some shows, and it ended up being like a big hit, like right off the bat. And it just made me, it just kind of like it was another aspect of podcasting. I was like, wow, you can do like a show that's. It already has a short shelf life, and it's specific, and it's, it's not a recap show. Right. It's a show sitting down with the stars of the show that, you know, is doing pretty well on TBS. I mean, I think it's coming, yeah, it's coming back for a third season, and it people are just like, hey, you know what, check it out, you know, and then the, st- you know, the stars are behind it, and it, it just it blew up, and it just kind of made, me, made you think, like, well, what else can we do that's yeah. like this? Yeah. You know, I mean, I actually, that's one of the things I'm kind of big about is I like... I'm, I'm, I'm interested in these anthology shows where it's, at least that's what I'm calling it, where you only do, you know, a certain amount of shows and then that's it. Right, it's just a limited, limited run. Like yeah. A, almost like a BBC comedy or something, right? Which is, which is what, why BB, those BBC comedies, people, I think that's one of the things where people revere it so much because it's like, they're in, they're out. Yeah. You don't have to worry about constantly producing something else and making sure that it's always good, which even though that's a challenge, and if you want that challenge, you take that challenge. Right, but I think that's something that was ingrained from American television with 22 episodes and trying to get to 100 episodes so you can syndicate mm-hmm. and that whole thing where it's the, you're in it for the long haul as opposed to, no, I've got something funny to say, I'm going to do it in six episodes or eight episodes, and then I'll do something else, you know? And right. I, if I'm inspired, I'll do a second season of it, maybe. Well, I've been inspired, like, there's a show that, uh, it's not a comedy podcast, but I immensely enjoy it because I'm a big comic book fan. And what they, they're they doing is uh, they have a separate podcast that it's like just a well, just like a bonus thing that they do, but they're going through the uh, DC Comics. They had an anthology back in the 80s of like just, you know, like kind of like an encyclopedia. It was like 26 issues long. I remember that, yeah. The, the who's who. Yeah. So they're doing, they're going through each issue. Oh, funny. Which okay. is great because I own a lot of those and yeah. I'm trying to buy more of them and I just love hearing these guys talk about it because they're, you know, these two, just, you know, two older geeks, but they're, you know, they got a great rapport. Yeah. And... It's just really enjoyable to listen to, and I'm like, man, I want to do something like that. And I was like, I, I when I'm desperate, you know, I'm trying to figure out. It's just more about time and just you know wanting to boot it, but do it. But it's like I have all the issues of the Marvel Universe handbook to Marvel Universe Book of the Dead, so it's everybody okay. that died, but it's only from like 19. It's from like only goes up to like you know it's like the period I think it was like 1986 ish or something like that, so it's dated. Yeah. But you know each of these issues have like pictures of how the guy died, and I would just love to sit down with some friends, some comedians, just be like you know just just riff on it. But it's only gonna be like five or six issues long. Right. 
but that's it, yeah. and that's fun, and people can just go back and you know they can have the companion piece, and it's like give them you know you could do you can do that. Yeah, there's this um, Star Wars minute show. Have you heard? About I've it? heard about it. Yeah, where they they they're going they're they're going through the first Star Wars movie minute by each show is I think 15 minutes long, and they talk about each minute of the movie. See, that's a that's that's genius. Yeah, it's it's uh, just again because so, that's such a geek niche thing. Yeah. And there's other, but it's not just doesn't have to be about geek stuff. I mean, it could be about anything. You could do, I mean, you could be sports, sports podcast and be like, all right, we're going to go through every minute of Super Bowl 20. Right. You know, or Super Bowl 30, whatever. We're going to do this, and we're just going to go play by play. And we're going to talk about each play because we're such big, diehard fans of this team. Yeah. I mean, just some insanity. But you know what? That's what, you, if you want to do that, do that. Right. Why not? You know, make it short. See, here's the thing, too, is people, I'll say this too, people, a lot of people think that, they're well. I'm gonna I'm gonna contradict myself because people think there's no rules in podcasting, and I think there are. Mm-hmm. Like what 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 are the rules or some of the rules in podcasting? First of which is being consistent, but actually being consistent and not making up some sort of bullshit that you're not <laughs> consistent. Hmm. If you're gonna do a week to week. Because here, here's my thing, and and I and I, I I don't want to. Well, I'll, I'll go ahead and say it, but like if you're saying, oh, I just took a week off, you know, especially if you're like an established show, right? And you have people that are depending on you. You can't just be like, oh, I just I just had to take a week off, and not tell anybody. It's like, oh, why don't you go back and listen to old shows? I feel like that's a bit that's a big fuck you. Two listeners. Yeah, no, you plan for the week off and you put a show in the can. You do something, yeah, you plan. You can do that. Yeah. That's you know, It's not like you can't do that. You right. can do that. And you need, if you need time, I mean, that, it takes extra work on your part, but if you're a podcast, you have to have that commitment to your listeners. You know, and look, I understand things happen. Life happens, but I don't think that's fair. And I get very, I get very frustrated when sometimes some shows will just do that or they'll just be like, oh, you know, we'll just let... Other show, you know, let's just let's, let's, let's focus on this other show that I just is like. No, if you're a podcaster, people need to know every week that you're going to have a new show for them, especially if they're new listeners. They want to be able to catch it. I don't need the Succotash listeners to really pay attention to that. Okay, <laughs> just uh, you know, I'm, well, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm doing what I can. Okay. I'm getting mad. I'm probably making you feel like, oh man, we should just cut this out. No, not at all. It's great. But, I mean, that's the advice I always give people. I, you know, I would. I that's would, one uh, of the main things. Know, yeah, and I'm as consistent as I can be. But I think, and I just said this at last, uh, the last episode, that consistency is the key. It is. And they were talking about it just now. You know, I was at the panel for. Uh, 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 monetizing your uh-huh. podcast, and they said consistency is key, not just in terms of release date and everything else, but consistency of tone, consistency of content. Yeah, that's a, that's. I think that's a big thing too. Is just you know, if you're going to do a show that you want to be a certain show, then you need to stat, You know, you find your voice because it takes a while to find your way. Mm-hmm. A lot of people when they do podcasts, I, I notice it's like they want to have it established because they want to. Depending on what you're in it for, you know, you want to start making money right away, mm-hmm. or you start wanting to get that fame right away, and it's like, well, you can't. That can't be. You, you can't confirm that. You have to get in. You have to be a good podcaster first before that could happen. Yeah, it's like it's like stand up comedy. You can't yeah. be a good stand up comic out of the bag. You got to find your voice, as you put it. Yeah, it's finding your voice, and I think sometimes people don't realize that that's when you get into it and that's why a lot of times people will, will especially if you're an established talent and you start doing a show and then it doesn't work out 
you know, because you're not finding your voice and you just start, you just kind of start it and stop it again. That's because you, you're just losing the interest because it's it's hard. It's because yeah. it's hard. It's like, look, I mean, if you got other things to do, do those other things. You know, but if your listeners are going to want to have that audio in their ears every week because they dig you and that's something that they're depending on because they're going to work, they're driving to work, they're sitting in their office. They need that. Yeah. Uh, by the same token, though, if you're not concerned about building listenership or finding sponsorship, and sure. this is just an outlet for you, and it's it's an artistic medium, and every once in a while you've got something you want to say, and you don't really care about your downloads, there's no rules about that. You can, if you put out an episode every three months, yeah. you can do it. Just don't expect to have the consistency of listeners. And I think, that, yeah, and there's so there are shows that are like that, like they. And I think you can kind of tell when you listen to them, like you can establish, like, well, this is how it's going to be. Right, right. You know, it's not every, you know, but it's just maybe because I'm so close to it that I see it and I have. Well, and I mean, you're working for a network that, you know, as you begin to get into that situation where you've got a network of shows, Mm -hmm. you have to start really plan when does this show come out? When does the next show follow it? Oh, yeah. Well, and everything's planned. I mean, I, you know, we have a lot of shows that come in. And tape because they know that their schedule is going to be a certain way, right? Especially if they're comedians and they're touring, you know. And we have shows that'll come in and just tape a whole bunch of shows, and they'll be good for like months, right? Because they knew ahead of time, and that's something I appreciate. Yeah, you know. But then there's also some shows that are just run and gun, you know. And it's just like, okay, here it is, get it up. You know, sometimes they don't really care, right? You know, because that's just how it is for them. And you, you, you know, it bothers me, but it doesn't. But that's if that's their schedule, if that's how they treat it. Then I can't change their mind. You know, that's how the talent is. Yeah. Um, so if a podcaster's out there, they've been going for a little while. They want to be part of a network, whether it's Sideshow Network or anybody else. Are there any sort of um, tips or keys you can give people to say okay you want to be in a network here's here's some things you must a be doing with your show and b here's how you approach networks with the idea of you becoming part of their operation well first of which is just make sure that you're presenting a quality product and quality can be defined in different ways but quality is obviously your audio sounds good if you're recording it at home, if you're recording it on the road, or however you're using it, you know, don't, you know, don't just throw it out there. I mean, it's, it needs to sound good. It needs to, you need to have somebody, you know, if you can't do it yourself, you need to have somebody helping you with it. You know, you can't just, you know, throw it out there and just be like, all right, well, we have a show. And it's like, yeah, but it doesn't sound good. You know, and you have to have, I think for a lot of times for networks now, you have to have an angle. It can't just be... We sit around and talk about movies. And it's like, well, that's great. You know, but we also have a podcast that people that somebody talks about movies too. Or somebody talks about this, somebody talks about that. You know, or if it's just something that, yeah, I mean, you have to have, you have that angle. And you also, and I think with a lot of networks, if they think that they're going to, you know, and I think this probably goes for any network, it's really also about downloads. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately. You know, I know you don't, people don't want to hear that. It's like, it's like, oh, what about art? And it's like, you know, yeah, sometimes you take a chance on art. But you need downloads. Right. You need to be able to show that, for one, that you have an audience. Right. And two, if we present you to an advertiser, that you know you'll be able to reach that audience, and those people will follow through with it. And that, and also, I think it's something too where we need to be able to feel that we can work with a show that will allow us to grow their audience. Through 
guests, um, you know, just maybe suggestions. Mm-hmm. You know, it's you know, there's because there's you know, there's certain topics that you can't. I don't know. You just have you have to. Well, also too, I think a lot of times people like say, "Well, I got this kind of show," and it's like, "Yeah, but advertisers might not be interested in it either." Right. You know, because of whatever it is that you're doing. You know, it's it's such a maybe it's a too volatile of a show. You know, we want to be. You know, I think a lot of times advertise. You know, a lot of times networks want to be able to have something that they can work with. Right. They don't want to just bulldoze you into changing, but we want to be able to work with you. To make it a, a, a optimum product for what you guys are doing. Yeah, or if it's like I mean something too, it's like you know you have an audience, you know, you know how it is, and I think it's really just more about being want to be able to work with us. It's kind of like a job interview. You yeah. know, you sit down for a job interview, and you want to be able to be like, oh well, this guy's a cool guy to work with. You know, do I want to hang out with him every day? Do I want to hang out with him every week? Well, let's let's see. You know, especially if it's in person or if it's via email, because we have a lot of shows that contact us both back and forth. You know, via you know via email, and that's how they send it in. That's how they do it. Right. You know, some shows we don't even hear from, but they they're consistent. And they do their thing, and you know, if they need something, we help them out. But you got to be able to be somebody that you can that can work with you. Um, what do you foresee yourself doing um, as sort of? podcasting continues to mature and what you're doing right now with Sideshow and what you're doing with Chris, where, where do you see your role growing or changing? I, I see it being more becoming more mainstream and then trying to maybe adapt, maybe getting in more into of a producing aspect of television or just finding ways that we can evolve shows uh, you know, and myself and whoever you know, whoever else is on the team, to evolve shows that can make them bigger, and make them to an audience that'll understand it. Like, I mean, develop them into you know, sitcoms or or reality shows or just things that you know, even though podcasting is is becoming more accepted, people you know need to be able to digest it in other ways. You know, web shows, however it is, like they have access to it, and just finding. You know, finding that role. Like I see, I can see myself, you know, generating that, you know, or create kind of creating that role for myself eventually. Okay. And I, I would like, I would hope so too, because I think it's just, I mean, there's, it, it's, it's, it's getting there. It's a very slow glacier. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a problem. It's just, it just, it frustrates me when so many people start doing shows and they want to see the results right away. Yeah. And it's like you, you gotta chill. You really gotta chill. It's because it's so new. It's like you don't. It's because you don't understand it. I mean, I can't. You know, it's just you. Unless if you're, you know, welcome to Night Vale, and you just blow up. And I mean, I'm certain there's people that are probably like, hey, we would love to have you as a TV show. Right. I'm certain there's probably people think it's like, well, what is this? How can we make this into a movie? Sure. You know, somebody's already writing that script. That script is already done. There's a. It's already going through development right now. Welcome to Night Vale, the movie. It's already happened. So let me just get the so, down here. <laughs> I, uh, I I just I just feel like and that's because it's it's a hot thing, but right. people will eventually understand you know how to, how this is going to come to fruition, and I I want to be a part of that. Right. I want to be able to you know because I know that I know that the potential's there. I I, always, I believe in, in podcasting. Uh, what about uh, doing shows yourself? I mean, you used to be on the air, right, mm-hmm. radio. So, are, are are there shows you want to do that you would want to host? Well, there is that one comic book show that I described earlier. 
I want to do that. I've also always wanted to do this, and this is actually probably a lot of work, but that's probably why I haven't pushed to do it. But I, I want to do a show because I'm a big pro wrestling fan, and I would love to do a show where myself and maybe somebody else, maybe another pro wrestler or a host or somebody that's got equally nerdy knowledge as me, talking to celebrities, not just like anybody, but like celeb, like people that are wrestling fans, just talking to them about wrestling, mm-hmm. like getting that perspective, like somebody like Danny DeVito, who, I mean, if you've watched, or, or even actually really a lot of those guys on the Always Sunny, they did uh-huh. a whole episode about wrestling, and it'd just be great just to sit down and talk to some of these cats about, like, you know, just be fans with them, yeah. and it doesn't have to be a long show, but just, just talk to them about that. You know, I think there would be a lot of fun because it, and it's a unique spin on just wrestling because there's so many wrestling podcasts out there. A lot of really horrible named wrestling podcasts. <laughs> I heard I heard one the other day was a and I, I mean it's just it's just a bad name. It's called Fourth and Pain. <laughs> and I was like, come on, this is it? Like this is where we're at? This is this is bullshit? You got to But don't don't you think those things will just they sort of winnow themselves out because the, their listenership becomes you know very specific. Yeah, it, it does, but that's what I would enjoy to do because I, I think I wouldn't care about the downloads it would just be the enjoyment of doing it you know now granted you know you're not going to get that sort of audience you're not going to get you're not going to build an audience you know you're not going to be able to get the guests if you don't have the audience right, right. so it's kind of a catch thing but it just but I think if you establish that you know eventually right on yeah I mean it, I mean who really cares I mean there's thousands of wrestling fans out there they all dig what it is that uh What's bringing every week, and so maybe they'll dig this show. I mean, and there's, I mean, there's already a version of that with um, Art of Wrestling with Cole Cabana. Yeah, he does basically the version, the, the WTF version of wrestling, pro wrestling. You know, Mark oh, Maron. Okay. I mean, Mark Maron's had Colt on his show. Yeah, and you know, it's and I've actually I've met Colt a few times, and I've told him, says your shows, this is what it's like. And he's like, yes, it's exactly what I intended to do. Yeah. And I think that's, but that's fantastic. And that's actually a great way that's influencing. And, you know, and I think, but there's, if you can find that weird angle, like I think talking to celebrities about pro wrestling would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Like people that just like, you know, it's like, man, I remember I, when I was a kid or when I went to this show, because I got, you know, and you could just talk about that. You don't have to have any shame about that. Because sometimes, pro, you know, I, I mean, I, I, I listen to Scarborough. And they'll reference something in wrestling, and I'll be like, "Well, clearly they're they're wrong here. <laughs> this is wrong, and I can tell you why." And about and I, I actually funny. really throughout this festival, I really want to beat them and tell them, like, "Look, I enjoy your show, but you were wrong on this part." Yeah. And I, I just, I, but I really admire your you know. And and, and, and one of the, I, I love James Adomian because he does a Jesse Ventura impression that's historically accurate. When he's like, "When I was in the mid south in 1979," I was like, "He was. That's true." That's funny. So I love that sort of thing, and I, I would love to do a show kind of. Based around that. Okay. Great. I guess I don't have any other questions. Do you have anything else you want to say? No, I just want to say people should, you know, podcasters, you know, need to take their time and realize that we're still early on. You know, I feel like so many podcasters are so at such a rush to do it, and it's like, you know what? You got to be doing it for the right reasons. You know, and if those reasons are just because I just want to do it, then just do it. But don't complain. That's a thing. I feel. I I mean, granted, people are going to complain anyways. But I just, when people complain about, it's like, well, this isn't working out for me. This is a lot of work, and it's like, well, it doesn't have to be a lot of work. You don't.
don't have to worry about it as much as you do if you understand where your place is okay. as a podcaster. And if you're just starting out and you just did three shows and nobody's listened to it yet, well, then you have to figure out how to make it bigger and better, you know, and get those, you know, get those, get those downloads because you want, you have to figure out, you know, okay, do I need guests? Do I need to make this unique? Do I need, what, what, what do I need to do, you know, to make this stand out? Because that's, it's, it's, because it's really hard because shows keep popping up every day. Yep. I mean, just go on iTunes, look at the banners and it's like, oh, here's a new Noteworthy and you just, you're just like, okay, that's, that these all look the same as this and this and this. But, you know, maybe they're doing something different. You know, and give it a shot. And that's really what I think I want people to say. Great. Sean, thanks very much. Sean Merrick. You're welcome, man. And I appreciate you doing what you do, man. Thanks, man. I'll talk to you soon. Right on. All right. Thanks again to Sean Merrick for taking the time out. Check out the many shows that he's involved with over at the sideshownetwork.tv. And, of course, don't forget he's the executive producer of Pod Crash with Chris Gore. Comedian Will Durst gets sarcastically snide in this edition of our Burst O'Durst. Hey guys, Will Durst here with a few words about all those chicken-hearted Republicans in name only who caved to the will of our socialist president and voted to reopen the government. Those rhinos don't represent real Americans. You know who they represent? Anos. Americans in name only. Because only people who believe the same thing that we do deserve to be called real Americans. Those anos should count as three-fifths of a real American. How does it feel to lose? We didn't lose. We won. We won by losing. Because only in losing do real winners test their skills at winning, whereas losers just feel normal. Winners never quit, and quitters never win. And winning quitters are like banana slugs on the Great Salt Flat with a blown head gasket. You know who lost? Our leaders lost. Those so-called leaders of this party who flopped faster than a French soccer team that had been surgically deboned. Oh, don't get us wrong. We are all in favor of compromise, as long as it's the other side doing it. Have we learned our lesson? Yes, we have. We have learned that we must fight harder. And never give in. We do not fight because we think we can win. We do not fight because of ideology. We fight because we like to fight. And so do our constituents. You should see our town hall meetings. Looks like the emergency room at a trauma center on a Saturday night. And that's why we're going to purge this party and get people who are interested in representing real Americans. Like us. And anybody who shakes hands with John Boehner or has been photographed hugging John McCain is fair game. We have perfected a test to determine whether you are conservative enough. We dunk you in water, and if you don't die, you're a rhino. For Succotash, the podcast of comedy podcasts, I'm Will Durst. You'll discover so much more Durst over at willdurst.com and find him all a Twitter at Will Durst. Now, you may have noticed that there was no tweet sack this episode. Sorry, Tweety. Just not enough time. But the Tweet Sack will be back next time, I promise, until we talk to you again. Please remember that podcasts do not grow on trees and that your help in helping us to offset our costs and expenses are greatly appreciated. You can help out in two ways. Either go up to our home site at SuckatashShow.com and just click on the donate button or use the Amazon banner at the top of our homepage still SuckatashShow.com the next time you want to go shopping at Amazon.com that banner is a portal to their site and just by you passing through it we get a little payback 
from Amazon. All right, that's it. Get out of here. And don't forget to pass the succotash. You've been listening to Succotash, the comedy podcast podcast with your host, Mark Hershon. Brought to you by Henderson's Pats. And imagine your company's name right here. Find us on the web at SuccotashShow.com, on iTunes, or on Stitcher Smart Radio. You can also like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Suckatash Show, email us at marc at SuccotashShow.com, or call into the Suckatash hotline at our toll call number, 818-921-7212. That number again is 818-921-7212. Suckatash is produced and engineered by Joe Paulino through the auspices of Studio P. Sausalito, the home of the hit. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Durges. Until next time, I'm your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please pass the succotash. Goodbye.